We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I mean, I've gotten more into baseball this year than I've been in a while. and It definitely helps that the A's got good last year. But um, particularly after, like, it's not just that the playoffs were tiring between, like, the podcast and the radio show and, you know, just generally liking to watch the games. It's also like the – I feel like that last month of the playoffs was probably the most emotional, emotionally, like, heart-wrenching ride I've been on. Yes. Yes. There was nothing like that in the last five years, dude. Like, I feel like we had a come down. It's like we just had to – like, what are you supposed to do after? felt like nothing we could have done could have, like, surpassed that or just made it more miserable. I don't know, man. It was – I don't know, man. From the, was, moment, from the moment KD got hurt, and even before KD got hurt, um, because the Clipper series was like, what are they doing, you know? And then, like, Houston's just an annoying grind. <sighs> Did we ever even do a playoff recap? I mean, that was just like we did a lot storylines. We we did a couple of them, but now we're in the off season. Uh, A's A's and Giants are both going to the World Series. Um, it's gonna be we're getting the thirty year anniversary of the uh, the Bay Bridge series. Probably gonna get another earthquake. Has it been the thirty year anniversary? Eighty nine, nineteen eighty nine. So it I was would... born in ninety one. God, wow! Man. It is thirty. Wow. I was four. So um, I remember – well, actually, I don't remember, but, like, I know stories of the earthquake. Like, what do you remember when you're four, right? Well, my, my dad told me that – my parents told me that they were in the marina. They were at Christie Field. Um, they said they were, they were, like, running. They were exercising. They're lying. They were at Tipsy Pig. <laughs> my, my two Asian Chinese parents from Hong Kong and, and, and China <laughs> were at Tipsy Pig. Uh, by the way, I was there this weekend. Very uncomfortable. I was the only Asian guy there. I don't know how you feel about that. Very weird. Very weird. Jimmy anyway, G wasn't there for you? <laughs> um, one, of my, one of my coworkers said uh, he had a, went on a date with Austin Slater, by the way, for those. I don't know if you're recording, but Giants outfielder, fifth outfielder. I am recording. Um, let's put your coworker on blast. Shout out Singe. <laughs> um, <laughs> Austin Slater is on Hinge, but um, but what were we talking about? Oh, the the World Series in nineteen eighty nine World Series. Yeah, and they said they, the the big old earthquake happened. And who won? Did the A's win? Sweep. Oh God, really? Wow. What's wrong with you? That A's team was stacked. <laughs> the fact they only won one is you know, whatever. I'm not gonna pretend like I remember. Like that was McGuire <laughs> and Canseco in their youngest days. Well, Barry Bonds didn't win a World Series. If you uh, 
you want to find any consolation and and then freddie sanchez wins you know a world series for the giants like life is unfair dude that's just how it goes like barry bonds can't win one and he batted like 600 in the world series and then you got a bunch of like bullshit giants teams that won three man if this if that if uh if this was the nba you know, we'd just be uh, – yeah. does Bonds have no health? Did Bonds have no health? Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, that's so true. Well, he might not have gotten any. Or is it you the know, other way around? Is he is he James Harden, just stat hunt? Yeah. Is he a fraud? God, baseball – basketball. We'll get on – we'll get into basketball media. I think that's one of our topics today, right? Yeah. Um, well, hey, let's start the part with this. We got some big news for Blue Wire. Why don't we start with that? I, I do want to – because I'm pretty happy about, you know, how far we've gone. So did you want to talk about it or you want me to bring it up? Why don't you go into it? I'll let you do the pitch. Yeah, yeah. So so for those that don't know, um, I guess how would you not know? But Let Yours Podcast were one of the first podcasts on Kevin Jones, our friends. Um, shout Blue out Wire. KJ. Yeah, shout out KJ. So he started Blue Wire Sports Podcasting. and um, So we're one of the first pods on there. and We've been kind of trying to help him out. But he recently just got funding and help from a place called 500 Startup. So 150000 in funding. They're valued at... 2.5 million so shouts to kj all his hard work do want to note that if anybody you know wants to join wants to invest wants to sponsor knows people whatever it is reach out to sam <laughs> he's the brains behind the operation or reach out to myself whatever it doesn't matter but um, just not pretty cool to respond to email so you can reach out <laughs> to me um no we're, we're getting more pods it's it's building i think there's gonna be some really cool things going on in the next year with that said so cool Lightyear's brand will not be selling out. You will get, we will be the only voice who's willing to tell you the, the truth behind the jump and, and all, the, uh, all the bot media shills. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we'll still be doing it. We will still be doing it. It's going to be great. All right, let's get into this. Um, so we got a bunch of questions, and I kind of want to put most of our time on that, but I kind of want to start with this. So today, or sorry, yesterday... Uh, the Warriors signed Damian Lee to two-way. So the roster is done, finished. Like, basically, they're up against the hard cap. They have their full roster. They have their two two-way guys. This is our squad for nineteen twenty. How do you feel about it? I, I'm excited because I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like variance is a very nerdy thing to say about the Warriors team. But I, I think that... The fact that we are excited about the Warriors' regular season for the first time since 2016? 17. 2017? Yeah, Katie's, yeah, Katie's first year. His first yeah. year. Yeah. I, I, I did. Yeah. So Katie's second and third year. I, I'm not saying Katie's second and third year, but the last two years have been pretty miserable uh, in terms of regular season only. Um, so I, I do feel that that's, that's where the excitement's coming from. In terms of how good they are, no idea. I don't think you know. I don't think anyone knows. But I feel like D'Angelo Russell is a wild card that, like, I think it all hinges on him. That's kind of crazy because I feel like D'Angelo Russell is not the right guy to fit on this team. But it doesn't matter because it's going to be exciting. And I, I feel like that's the main thing. And I think that they did it right because um, – because how would you feel about this, Sam? Like, if they brought back the same team and they brought back Iguodala and they signed, like, DeMarcus Cousins again, like – Maybe they get, like, feel- Rodney Hood on the yeah. mid-level. yeah. How would I feel about that? I don't um, know how. It was. Yeah, it's kind of boring, right? Like kind of the same stuff again. Yeah, I mean those two games that KD sat that they beat uh, Houston and OKC in the regular season and like Boogie looked really good. I think we all got hyped on how they might look uh, it, with KD leaving. But ultimately, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Boogie's career is trending in in the the right direction i mean obviously he signed with the lakers so every major media outlet has to pretend he's the best big man in the nba hall of famer uh, yeah isn't it amazing anthony davis signed with the lakers and all of a sudden became better than steph oh Did you my notice that God. oh my it's like all of a sudden he's like a top three player in the league yeah by the way same with like i just i also don't understand the james harden thing to an extent either like, I, I don't want to swerve this conversation, but, like, I don't understand why he's a better player than Steph. He's like, not. It, it, what, what is the reasoning behind that? Yeah. We literally saw Steph <laughs> outplay him when it mattered with KD down, no KD. Yep. 
Uh, CP, by the way, played really well in that elimination game. He played mm-hmm. better than Clay. Yep. The Warriors still won. Didn't matter. Yep. One guy yep. had 33 points in the second half and made all the key plays down the stretch. And that one guy wasn't the quote-unquote guy who you know keeps getting screwed out of MVPs. Yep. Yep. Easily put. Uh, it's that, I, that. That's the thing. Uh, that's my thing. And, but we'll, we'll let's let's kind let's of go back. So am I? Yeah. Am I happy with the roster? Um, kind of. Um, the the biggest thing for me is this is kind of a weird transition year, and it's hard to not look at what they could be the following year and let that cloud this this season because. And I'm talking about mainly the hard cap and Clay's injury. So the hard cap limits their ability to, you know, get right. like other answers. Right. Forget if we think D'Angelo Russell is the right fit or not. What's hurting them is the fact that they didn't have a mid-level exception, that they like literally could only get vet minimum guys because they had to stay under the hard cap for one year. So that's kind of what's annoying because maybe they could have got a a couple decent rotation players instead mm-hmm. of like a bunch of flyer guys that you're hoping one of them, you're hoping like Glenn Robinson, the third or Alec Burks, like you just, one of them becomes a guy, right? Yeah. Um, yep. so well, I mean, Glenn Robinson, you are praying. <laughs> yeah. With, with but what I'm Robinson, saying, yeah. I mean, so, so warriors have the hard cap, which means they didn't have their mid level. They also have this $17 million exception they can't use till next summer. So that's annoying. That could be too that could be like a Kyle Anderson. Could yeah. be like you know, like you kind of have to look at guys who are on teams who just kind of want to shed contracts. Like it's easy to say, like, oh, you, you know, we can we can go get this like great player for the exception. It's like, well, why would they want to give up this great player for the exception? But anyway, you can still get like a couple rotation pieces for it, right? But they can't do that right now. And then the third thing is, I mean, and the biggest one, Clay's out. That kind of sucks. Like, yeah. I don't know that D'Angelo, like the Warriors, can build a title contender with Steph and D'Angelo Russell defensively. Like, there's just a reality to it. I think, I think it's hard to build a a title team with two subpar backcourt defenders. You know, <laughs> subpar. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and you're they, also, they both you're have also, limitations. Like Steph, yeah. Steph can be as smart as he is; he still can't help the fact that he has like a six-two wingspan. Not, not, yeah, especially not in a, a winner-take-all kind of game, best of seven championship series. And you're also downsizing Clay, right? So even if, even if like he comes back, like, do I want Clay guarding Paul George? Like on on a recently rehabbed ACL? So yeah, no, you're right. Well, and, and that's the other thing: Clay will come back, but. I would not be surprised if he looked like seventy percent of Clay for for the the playoff run. Like he'll be good, but he won't be like. Well, you know. dude's jumping off a boat right now. So, <laughs> That's you know. true. Maybe, maybe, maybe he'll be back he, by. It, yeah. He tore his ACL, and it's still not affecting Summer Clay. Just the most iconic. Like yeah. we had China Clay, we yeah. had Cutter Clay. Yeah. I mean, we just there's just so many different clays, and it doesn't matter, you know. Like he could, he could be in a wheelchair, and he'd still be having more fun than anyone. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but that that's the tough part. I mean, like, but but the, I think that's what. So here's my thought process on the Warriors, and we went through this the first time. But I I'm more optimistic. I think um, I don't know if I'm more opt- optimistic than you, but I do like that they took this risk with D'Angelo Russell because I think. Knowing Clay is out, I think if Clay wasn't out, by the way, if if Clay didn't tear his ACL, you think they do this D'Angelo move? I don't know. I actually don't know. Maybe they do, but I don't know. I tell you this: if Clay didn't tear his ACL, they'd be the number one offense in the NBA because D'Angelo with Russell, D'Angelo, with D'Angelo? D'Angelo, yeah, D'Angelo is a good player. Okay. Yeah. Let me let me put it this way to you: he's I put him in that like CJ McCollum tier of player where you're like they're not quite an all star, but on certain nights they can absolutely play like all-stars, right? He, he's one of those guys who, like, I mean, he made it in the East as an all-star as an injury replacement, but you know if he was in the West, he wouldn't make it, right? No, no. And, yeah. the, and you could say the same thing. If CJ McCollum was in the East, he'd probably have two all-star appearances by now because the, the last guys who make those roster in the East are just like... Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he'd yeah. never have that yeah. opportunity in the West right. because you have, like, right. eight superstar guards. Right, um, right. So my thing with D'Angelo Russell is who was his best teammate? In Brooklyn, 
And I like sure. a, I like a lot of Brooklyn's players, but like let's just be real with it. Who is who is his best teammate? Dinwiddie. Yeah, yeah, Dinwiddie probably is. Yeah, I mean Jared Allen, but he's not really that good. Um, Laver- I would say Lavert. Yeah, is the most but he was but he was out all year. <laughs> yeah, he was hurt. Um, uh, Joe Harris is nice, but yeah. Joe Harris and Dinwiddie. Right, right, just, right. Uh, they're not quite Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Like that's right. all, I, that's what I keep coming back to. This dude was this good. He averaged like twenty. 21 and seven and like he's a really good passer he hasn't played with someone like Steph Curry so he had to take a bunch of tougher shots and like he is kind of a bad shot taker in general which whatever but like he's this is by far the best teammate he's ever had and I I mean you and I still I still think Steph's pretty much the best play playmaker in the NBA he he makes players better than anyone else Right, so he's why, the best offensive player so, in the league, correct. So why would he not make D'Angelo Russell better? Right. Why would he right. not make D'Angelo Russell better? Mixed with the fact D'Angelo Russell's 23, he's going to turn 24 next year at some point. He was going to get better anyway. So it's well, like he's getting better plus he's playing next to the best the best player in terms of like maximizing your skill set. Like that's that should All I'm saying is no one on earth should say Dame and CJ are better than Steph and D'Lo. Right. Well, and, and here's the thing as well. Uh, so I think the over-unders came out, and we've got a bunch of media trolls that are talking about the teams that are better than the Warriors. Let, let's also keep in mind that the um, the, the Vegas Warriors— had the, Vegas had the Warriors at 48.5, and yep. from what I can remember, six in the West, which sounds about right. I, I think six would be a really good year without Clay Thompson. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is, like, I think people discount this. They look at the Warriors because the Warriors always make the NBA Finals five years in a row. And, like, they might struggle in the NBA Finals, which everybody does, by the way. LeBron James struggles in the NBA Finals. And they're like, oh, okay, if the Warriors struggle here, they're going to struggle in the regular season. You do realize that the Warriors play the the uh, Miami Heat in the regular season, right? Right? They play Phoenix all Suns. Like, the Phoenix Suns. Like, these guys are going to play like Steph Curry, Draymond, and D- Steph Curry and Draymond by themselves are going to be able to. W- they're going to be able to at least go five hundred in the regular season if they play seventy games. Like that's a team you're not playing the Kawhi led Toronto Raptors every game. That's not how this works. It's eighty two games, Portland, and you play a lot of teams that are average to below average. Portland is a top yeah. ten team in the NBA. They're right around that like tenth yeah. best team in the NBA, right? So they're right. they're they're certainly above average. What did the Warriors do to Portland? Right. Sweep. Steph, unstoppable. Do you know what Clay did in that series, by the way? He I'm, struggled, didn't he? Am I, am I right? In the, it, it, you do you have right. it up? He, um, I mean, he he just didn't shoot well. Right, um, right. What I was going to say is like he definitely had an imprint, but he shot 38% in the series, 34 from three. Well, that defense that he was playing was spectacular too. Remember when he was locking up CJ McCollum? <laughs> that was he was in prison. Oh, he was playing the best defense of his career yep. in the playoffs. Yep. Um, and but yeah, I mean, like Steph and Draymond. Like the reality is, people saw Draymond struggle against Siakam and Gasol. I'm like, dude, Siakam and Gasol is about as good a defensive front court as you're going to find in the NBA, and yep. particularly since the Warriors couldn't go small in that series. Because yep. in a perfect world, they go small and they take Marcus Hall out of the game. Yep, exactly. But they you remember can't. the f- you remember the first twelve minutes of Game Five when KD was in and the Warriors dropped like forty points in ten minutes, like like, like that, that. But again, again, that's not going to happen now. But still, like you've got a team, you've got a regular season team. This roster is talented. They should win. Yeah. End of the day, Draymond. Yeah. Um, everyone's like, oh, he can't shoot. So how, how's he going to finish at the rim? I'm like, he didn't have a problem finishing at the rim on Myers Leonard and Enos Cantor, which is a better. <laughs> It's a better um, e- example of what he's going to deal with in the regular season than Siakam and Gasol. Right. Like we we both know when they run into the elite teams next year without Clay, with kind of this vet minimum roster around them, it's going to be rough. But they only play like five or six of those teams. Yep. Yep. And I, I and maybe they lose those games, but I do think that maybe they're good enough to win those. Like they're a six seed, but I. I mean, when's Clay coming back? Like he's probably back or like late, late February, maybe early March. Post, let's post All Star break. Sounds about mm-hmm. right. I don't know, man. Like I, I do think this team is getting underrated to that point. Like where 
like this Vegas over under is is fine, but I think it's more the people that say like, hey, these guys aren't going to make the play. We've had legit people. I think you were talking about it just now, where people are ranking the Portland Blazers <laughs> ahead of them. Where it's like if they you just picked up the, Hassan Whiteside, bro. Yeah, if you're if you're ranking the Blazers ahead of the Warriors, um, you're either saying you think Steph Steph can't stay healthy, which okay. You and I both agree. If Steph and Draymond aren't healthy, well, yeah, well, like yeah. it's a given. They they need well, to play seventy plus. They they don't have the luxury of Steph sitting fifteen games. Yeah, yeah. I mean seventy. I, I would think you know seventy seventy two games that they're gonna have to play. You know, the, yeah. the, to make to make the postseason. I think and like you know they don't have to play thirty eight minutes, but you know somewhere in the range of thirty five thirty six minutes. But um, and, and they'll get there. Um, the the next topic here because I know I know we've got a we've got a segment and we've got a mailbag to do, um, but the the next topic we've got though Sam is the under the radar signing, um, so people that are not D'Angelo, Clay Thompson, Kevon mm-hmm. Looney. So basically the vent minimums. Um, yep. Who's your favorite? I like Alec Burks. I like Alec Burks because, and I was I was texting you when this happened, um, and the signing was like a couple weeks ago. I was a huge, you know, blogger, hipster guy, and I love those early Jazz teams. Like I, I just like the way they put that team together. I like Derek Favors. I like Rudy Gobert. This was before Donnie Mitchell, uh, so I thought Dante Exum was going to be someone. But Al- before that, though, Alex Burks was the starting shooting guard, and he's someone that can get to the rim. He can get to the rim. I was actually surprised that he could shoot the three. But I think off the bench, Alec Burks is someone that can provide actual scoring. Um, like, it would have been nice to have him last year instead of someone like Quinn Cook because he could actually get to the hole. He can make something happen, whereas the rest of the team is is kind of just standing around and waiting for stuff to happen, like waiting for Clay to come around a curl, waiting for Steph to manufacture something. I think the Warriors are kind of shifting their offense more to like the normal NBA where you get a kind of a bunch of ball hogs. Alec Burks, probably someone that's not high IQ. Probably not going to pass that much. Not really. It's going to be fun to see how much uh, Kerr, Steve Kerr, right, is going to take this. He didn't want Jamal Crawford, and I don't think Alec Burks is that far away from someone like Jamal Crawford. But I think Burks is going to be key uh, for the Warriors if they do want to kind of stay afloat. Because I mean, dude, like those non-Steph minutes for these Warriors are going to get pretty. Someone to give so they'll kind of need 10, 10 points per game yep. off the bench in twenty minutes. Yep. You know, some, something like that. So I agree with you there. Yep. Um. I'm gonna go with with Glenn Robinson the third. Wow. I actually I actually think everyone, all Warrior fans are underrating McKinney because of the thing you talked about. We we saw McKinney get torched by Kawhi and James Harden. Guess what? Not a guy in the league on a vet minimum who can guard those two. So I think McKinney being second year in the system and with the team will actually probably be one of the more productive vet minimum guys the Warriors have. Wow. Um, wow. you think he starts? Yeah, and I think he. Let me let me let me try to phrase this correctly. Me thinking he's productive does not mean I think he's going to turn into Andre Godala or Sean Livingston. It means I think he's probably an eighth man who's going to be asked to be the fifth man, but he can at least you know he he can play a little bit, right? Like I said, you go back to that Portland game. I mean, he Iguodala didn't play game four. McKinney played well. He had enough games this year where he made an imprint, and I feel like if he gets 20 minutes a game, he's going to – I think he's going to probably be the most dependable option, which kind of speaks to the lack of options. Well, yeah. Um, and so the reason I think Glenn Robinson the third becomes the most important guy is because they – he's had flashes in the NBA uh, as kind of a 3 and D type of guy. And they just need – if he can be a 20-minute-per-game 3-and-D guy, that will go so much farther than whatever Willie Cauley-Stein does for them uh, because it will allow them to play small at times. It will allow them to space the floor. And it's a flyer on a guy who's shown he can do it. He just hasn't shown he can do it consistently, whereas Alec Burks, we know exactly what he is. Yeah, yeah. Not a Willie Cauley-Stein fan, huh? He's fine. Hey, end of the day, end of the day, Draymond's their best center, but he won't get to play it at all this season. And Looney's their yeah. second best center, but yeah. Willie Willie can definitely be productive for them. And I mean, he's going to get a lot of rim running opportunities. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, he's also posting a lot of stuff on IG, so you know, seems like he's working out a lot. That's a new. That's a new thing in Warrior World. We're, we're the last. <laughs> we're the last team to get on the IG posting. Every every couple of days, Sam shoots a text over to me and goes, "Oh, the Warriors are finally posting shit on IG. They're posting <laughs> the workouts. I think it's hilarious, dude. That you note that. Like, guys, I've never thought of that. But I, I, well, I thought of it. But I never thought of the Warriors not doing it. But I realized, like, we never see Steph working out. We definitely we never see Clay working out. Right? Yeah, you know, we never see this is, a, this is a great transition because for them, it's it's about the love of the game. It's not about the love of the fame. They're not trying to get Instagram followers. They're just trying to get their work in. So um, this is uh, should we segue? That yeah, is we're seg- we're segueing. Um, a hell of a segue. So from uh, not Nick Bond, um, one of uh, loyal listener. He says, you guys should try a new game. Is it love of the fame or love of the game? And this is one of the best ideas a listener has given us in our two or three years of doing this podcast. I want to make this a regular thing, honestly. This this should be – I was so happy today. I was, we, were, we were pitching this to, uh, to KJ, and we are just like, we have to do this. This has to be a, a, a normal thing. For, by the way, this is off of your tweet, so – this is off of your tweet. Um, <laughs> well, okay, so so let me let me back this up for people who aren't aware. God, I'm so I, excited. I just feel like with the abundance of social media and the whole influencer phenomenon and everyone kind of trying to put a front out, it's become a thing in the NBA more than any other league, but people yes. posting things yes. on Instagram, on Twitter to make it look like they're working. I think you have the perfect analogy for it. Right. Right. So I, I was saying, because right now uh, I'm, I'm in sales and right now it's end of quarter and end of quarter, let's say you're not doing well. Right. And you've got the people that are basically like sitting by their laptops all day, you know, your VP or your manager sitting by you. And you've got a guy that's just like angrily slamming his laptop and he's just like typing really loud. He's like huffing and puffing, making it look like he's actually working. And I'm just kind of thinking like, man, is he doing this for the love of the game? Was <laughs> it for the love of the fame? Like, is he just doing this to act like he's working? Because I know he's not doing shit. <laughs> is this is this performative or is this yeah. real? You know, are you getting him? Are you getting up at five a.m. to get work in? Or are you getting up at five a.m. to tell people that you're getting work in, setting off that tweet, and then going to sit on the toilet for three hours? That is so true. Like, you've got the guys that are like posting on Instagram. That it's like wake, you know, rise and shine, you know, early morning grind, you know, at like five thirty. <laughs> you know, it's like, dude, like, but if you were working out every day, do you really need to post this? Like, was that really necessary? But you're right, because you talk about this all the time, and we've got NBA players out there all over the place that do this. Like, and we're gonna go into this. Like, are they doing just just for show? Like, is this actually something that did? Because the real people, like, I, you would agree with me. Like, I think like Steph and Clay are probably the two of the hardest workers in the entire league. Um, you'd never know it though. Like they don't broadcast it. They don't show any of that. No. And, um, you know, there's layers to it. There are guys who also just work hard and then someone else is just posting it because it's an, I mean, it's a way to get traction for them and build their brand too. So this is where we have to analyze it to figure out, is this authentic or is this performative? Is this, is this, is this true love of the game or is this just love of the fame? So let's let's start with the first one. Everyone knows this one's coming. LeBron and his kids game. We all saw the clips. We all saw Skip Bayless react to the clips. Everyone has thoughts on this one. Andy, is this love of the game or is this love of the fame? Oh, um, okay, so I think so. The bailout answer. I think it's both, but but I think You're trying to keep the trolls out of your mentions. I think it's more love of the fame. I think it's more love of the fame. So I think LeBron understands, right? Hey, I'm the dad here. He didn't have a dad growing up. I want to be Bronny's dad. I want to be there at every game. But I think the love of the fame comes back for there is no bet. There is no bigger attention whore in the league than LeBron James. And he understands that everybody is watching him. So I think he's doing all of this for show. Now, I understand he wants to do it and it makes sense. But it's love of the fame, man. I think it's more love of the fame. I think he understands it's all for show, and he wants to put on a performance unlike any other because he understands everybody's watching him no matter what. Absolutely. Um, 
I commend him for being a good father. And in general, like I can tell he really enjoys watching his kid play and that's cool and all getting in the layup line and throwing right. dunks down. Nah, man, that's a dude who knows the cameras are on him. Yes. Because, because he purposely doesn't do that stuff in his own games. <laughs> purposely avoids stuff like the dunk contest. But Hey, if I have a chance, by the way, imagine being a kid on that team and you know, you're on your layup line on the other side, then LeBron comes out and just gets eye level to the rim and throws down like a you know, just a monster hammer dunk. <laughs> I, I feel mean, I, you could you could say on the one hand he's kinda of helping his kid because he's intimidating the opponent. But, right. I, but I that mean, was a it, definite I know the cameras are on type of moment right. in the middle of generally just kind of, you know, doing a good thing. Yeah, it's like I mean it's like a random AAU game, right? It, it's whatever, but it's like I don't see Carmelo out there doing this. I don't see Kobe out here doing this, right? I don't see I, – I, I doubt Steph Curry's going to be out here doing this, you know, a few years from now when his kids grow up. So it's like if he – it feels like he's the only one that's doing this. And it, it, the, on the one hand, it's great. I love it. But, hey, man, you got to admit it's love of the fame when it's love of the fame. He loves it. There's nobody like LeBron James that loves it more than LeBron James. That's just that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move to the next one. Draymond losing 25 pounds before the start of the playoffs. Love oh, of the game you... or love of the fame? You want to take this first? Um, now you got to go first on this one. This, 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 I think, is fully love of the fame, man. Uh, it, they had an athletic piece that ran about it. They had like the broadcast talking about it. I mean, listen, if you're Draymond Green, why do we wait until the end of the season to lose 25 pounds? You couldn't just do it any time, right? I think this was more of him flexing and saying, hey, look, I can do this all the time at any time that I want. I can do it at will. This is Draymond Draymond saying, I could be in shape all year, but I choose not to be. (laughs) Just so I can rub it in your face when I am. Love of the fame. Love of the fame. What do you think? I agree with you. I think this is a little um, the the flexing afterwards, um, letting everyone know that he did that is just a subtle reminder. It's the most Draymond thing ever because it's it's letting you know that you know he's he's like I heard what you said, and just so you know, I don't care, you know. So yeah, we're giving this one the love of the fame. All right, let's love move, of the fame. Let's move this Next over. D'Angelo Russell um, posting. IGs of his workouts with Steph Curry. Um, you know, I'm going. Lo- I'm going. I'm, and the people are going to say, "Oh, and Andy loves Steph." I'm going love of the game. I'm going love of the game. I think that. Um, I think that D'Angelo Russell is someone that understands that he can get a lot better playing with next to Steph Curry. He understands that. Hey, I'm getting my max money anyway. Um, I'm set for the next four years. But if I want to be a player that takes to the next level, I want to practice with Steph Curry. I, I do think part of it is. He didn't need to do it. Steph probably didn't really care if he posted or not. So part of that was love of the fame. But I do think that, hey, if it's someone that does want to take their time out and do those workouts with Steph Curry and become like kind of a point guard, a scorer, and really a leader, like a mental leader like Steph Curry, I do think that it is a lot more love of the game than it is love of the fame. I I actually have a hard time deciphering this one on this plane because to me, these posts are pandering to warrior fans these posts are like this dude has the minute he was signed everyone's like oh nice we got trade bait you know like it's it's, i felt really bad for him i'm like dude the guy hasn't played one game and everyone's putting in the trade machine already (laughs) um so it's like it's a lot of like like kiss the ring he knows like if i'm I got to make friends with Steph if I, if I don't want these fans to riot against me. You know, I, I, I need Andy Lou to like me. <laughs> Andy Lou already ran one all-star out of town. But by the way, all the mailbag questions, I'm like looking at it right now. They're all just about me. I, we can't answer those. The, the, nobody's answering me running people out of town. <laughs> but uh, what do you got? Love of the game or love of the fame for D-Lo? I'm going to give it love of the fame. This is about his perception in Warrior Nation. This is about him getting uh, – making sure that he starts on the right foot. Uh, making sure that people know he – you know, he's he's in Steph's inner circle. Yeah, he's <laughs> – I 
I love that. Wow, this is really good. By the way, people are going to have to send us love of the game, love of the fame um, topics next time. We're going to need more. Ooh, I like the next one. Um, I think we could probably do a, a couple minutes on this. Um, do you want to bring the Steve Kerr one? Do you want to do you want to start that one off? Because that's a uh, that's yeah. a player empowerment topic that I think is uh, is interesting. Steve Kerr hating on the Anthony Davis move and specifically the way in which it happened. Uh, I believe Kerr said he doesn't care if players leave when their contracts are up or work it out with a team to get a trade, but the public nature in which, well, you know, basically just saying trade me midseason and then sitting games until he got traded was bad for the game. Steve Kerr. Love the game or love the fame? <laughs> um, man, this one's really tough. Um, I think I think Steve Kerr's full of shit on this one. I think this one's love of the love of the fame. I think Steve Kerr is someone that wants to come off as buddy buddy with uh, the people that are running the league. I think that if you're Anthony Davis and you're a lot of these players, and I think we're going to disagree a little bit here. I think that you should have the ability to kind of go where you want because you keep in mind that that these players don't get to go where they want when they first get in the league. Now, this probably hurts the Warriors because Steph didn't want to come to the Warriors, but I, I don't think Anthony Davis probably wanted to be in New Orleans when he started. So I think he does have the ability to go with which team he chooses. I think the way he did it was probably a little brash. I, I probably don't like that. That's how he did it. But I think most. I think most of all, though, I think it is important to understand that these players should have the ability to go where they want. And I think for Steve Kerr kind of outlining that point and saying that it's probably not great, I think that is more love of the fame. I think that's just him saying something that panders more to what Adam Silver probably would want to say to the owners. I think that's love of the fame. There's definite get off my lawn tendencies with Kerr, and I think that's his, this is kind of an old guy perspective. But I'm going to go love the game because I think Kerr truly thinks it's bad for the game. Whether it is or it isn't, that's debatable. I go back and forth on it. I probably side a little more with Kerr than with you on this one, but I can, I can see both sides to your point. Um, but I don't think he threw those comments out there on Monty Poole's podcast with the intention of of getting the fame. I think he's just him thinking about it through his, you know, his generation's lenses. God, you're a curse, Dan. You, you, think, uh, you think Richie Goodman and uh, Margot are just going to hear this, this, uh, this pod and be pissed <laughs> at me again? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the goal. We're, we're pivoting. By the way, uh, as someone that that people think dislikes Kerr or the two people, I think Kerr's a top three coach in the league. Let's reiterate that fact. I think you'd agree with me. Yeah, you're you're more patient with him. I get a little more frustrated with his methods than you. Um, uh, but that might be me just being more emotional game to game. <laughs> By the way, Steve Kerr is gonna. I don't think Steve Kerr was happy when when a couple of media guys told him that hey, you're gonna have to coach this year. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't think that Steve Kerr was happy about that. Um, so that, that'll be interesting because Steve Kerr is really going to have to actually coach this year. He's going to have to do more development um, and less eagle uh, management than uh, than he's done before. So I, I don't know. Can he do it? Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't think we've seen it yet. <laughs> I think he kind of right. inherited a team that, that was in their prime pretty much. We're pivoting. Love of the game, love of the fame. We have two more. I'm we're getting really into we're getting into we're getting into baseball now. Oh, yes. my guy, my new my new my new favorite player of all time, Ramon Laureano. Uh, got in a little scuffle Saturday night with the um, pointing to the bat after he had a home run. The backstory is that pitcher got all upset because um, another A's player hit a home run off him and flipped his bat, so he stepped on Loriano's bat and so when Loriano took him yard he's pointing to the bat saying you know step on it all you want I'm still going to take you <laughs> was that love of the game or was that love of the fame <laughs> love of the game I thought <laughs> I thought Loriano was right now I thought the bat flip was a little excessive I mean come on but then I read the context and I saw that the pitcher actually stepped on his bat 
And I thought, hey, you have more than enough right to go and do that bat flip. Now, the pitcher also has the right to go out and yell at you. So that's all love of the game. The love of the game comes where the pitcher throws at him. Because, dude, you're getting a 90-mile-per-hour fastball being thrown at your head or your knee or your leg. Like, that's a real injury waiting to happen. I think that's complete bullshit. Like, that that has no place in the game. Um, yeah, I, so think I think we're, I think we're aligned on, game. on that pivot point. I view um, – I view the whole like bat flip pitcher yelling thing as that's all cool. That's, that's like great. that's the it's basketball amazing. equivalent of getting physical with someone on yeah. defense. Where it's not cool is where you throw at someone. That's like when someone dives at your knees. Like yeah. people, yeah. We'll, we'll bring this to basketball because this is a basketball first podcast. But like getting up into someone defensively, totally cool. Going for their knees like Delhi used to do, Oof. dirty. Not acceptable. And it's the same thing. Pitcher wants to intimidate a hitter by yelling, maybe thrown inside a little bit. That's cool. Pitcher wants to hit the guy to send a message. That's not cool because you could, you can put him on the the disabled list or or, sorry, what the injured list, whatever it's called now. That's not cool. That's, that's basically admitting you can't hang with that guy. So you're trying to hurt him. It's like, Hey, I can't guard this guy. So I'm going to take a cheap shot elbow to his face. Hoping I, you know, I scare him that way. It's that same concept. So it's kind of like I'm all for intimidation and talking trash, but when it crosses the line to dirty plays, not cool. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about baseball is like, those aren't even considered dirty plays though, dude, like throwing a ball at someone is not considered a 30, dirty play in baseball. Like at least when you go for someone's knee in basketball, like, like it's universally that, regarded yeah. as not yeah. an acceptable play. Yep. Uh, but there was a time where it wasn't. Like there was like you can go back twenty years and like the elbow to send a message was a thing. Yeah. Now it's like don't throw elbow to guy's face. Yeah, you might get tossed. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all about yeah. Um, last, love of the game. Love of the game. We'll call it love of the game. That was it, he got he got the pitcher and he let him know. All right, last one for you. Uh, Farhan not tearing it down because they the Giants got hot with a bunch of scrubs. <laughs> you is this love of the asshole. game or love of the fame? By the way, is it Farhan? It's not Farhan. It's Farhan. That's Farhan. Okay. Um, and it's Zaidi. Zaidi. Is that how you Correct. pronounce it? Look at that. I learn something new every day. Uh, I mean, I think. I don't know. <laughs> what is Farhan Zaidi? What is he? Pakistani. Okay. Uh, love of the game or love of the fame. Of course, you say that they come back with a bunch of scrubs. By the way, Yastrzemski, Alex Dickerson, Donovan Solano. As a Giants fan, for those who are listening, a GM that can pick up these scrubs and actually play baseball and be good. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often. We're used to the uh, Gorky's Hernandez of the world. No, um, it, it, the thing is, it does happen. It just hasn't happened with the Giants because they had meatheads running the organization for ten years. <laughs> like he, he's a he's a Billy Bean protege. Like the, the Dodgers did that, the Red Sox do it. Like all, no, all no, no, the no, good with teams the Giants, did, right? Yes. With the Giants, I'm saying with the Giants. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. But I mean, you know, like I like I said earlier when we start the pod, you know, you got your Cody Rosses, you've got your Freddie Sanchez's, you've got some scrubs that have done some things. Um, but for love of the game, for love of the fame. Not selling because of this. I think it's for love of the game. I think Farhan has no choice. I think if Farhan was managing the A's, if he was president of basketball, you know, baseball office for the A's, and he had a team that was, you know, always shuttling in players, had no fans, had hey, no hey. payroll, <laughs> had no payroll, you know, hey, Bumgarner will be gone. Will Smith will be gone. No more panda hats, Sam. Like that'd be all gone. But I think with this team where they actually try to win championships, you know, they've got – it's eight. Crab sandwiches are $18. $18. You can't, you, can't, you can't just get, you know, AAA prospects and, and expect to, to charge people $18 for a crab sandwich. So I think Zaidi is on a franchise that is going to say I'm, I'm going to go for it more often than not. Um, and I think that that's love of the game. That's the Giants. Love of the game. Just, so we're, just so we're clear that – the, the A's have made the playoffs more often than the Giants over the last 20 years. Listen, and you're sounding like a bronze stand right now. Over the it's last all about championships. Years. So you, you got lucky once. Get, get over it. Um, what I was going to say is I think I, I think I side with you. 
um, because I think his end goal is just not selling players. Like he's not trying to repeat the cycle of like, oh, the team's halfway decent. Let's sell our top prospect for Carlos Beltran. You know, like that sort of type of yeah. um, thing. So I'm going to give him a little love of the game on this one. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Also, because he, he came up through the A's, I can't dislike him until he gives me a reason to dislike him. I try, I try to roast you about the A's, and it just gets no traction from you. Like you just, you just, it doesn't hit you. It just, it doesn't hit home. You cannot, you cannot hurt that which is already dead inside. Like, what do you, you want me to be upset about the fact that I hate the A's ownership? Like, I hate their ownership. I'm not like, there's nothing, there's nothing you can say. Like, I'm not going to be like, no, it's, it's really cool that they don't spend money because their owner's a cheap prick, you know? Like, who, who is the owner? Who is the owner? Uh, John Fisher. John Fisher, who is not is he not rich or something? What's with him? No, no, he's certainly rich. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, gap, yeah. Gap money, yeah. original yeah, he, gap money. Tillman Fertitta, is that what he is? He's a Tillman Fertitta kind of guy. He's just not spending money just just because he wants to duck the tax, even though he's a billionaire. That's the stuff that I, that's terrible. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for $3 shipped right to your door. So no more cheap razor, no more cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors. This always this is always insane. They were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned, so they bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. So join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. So if you don't let your shave, let them know, and they'll give you a full refund. Again, harrys.com slash blue wire to redeem your razors for three dollars yeah it's like as a fan all you really want is i mean essentially you want what joe lacob is doing which is like being ultra aggressive to make your team as good as possible balmer yeah balmer oh god can we talk about balmer yeah i was gonna say can we talk about him being the new joe lacob He's completely taken over. Joe Lacob, They're completely way. different, though. They, they have different, like, I mean, at their core, they have the same principles, which is like they're trying to be cutting edge, and they'll put as much money yeah. behind. They'll put their money money behind their mouth, right? Yeah. But his approach is just so different. Like Lacob is, I, I swear to God, Lacob watches like Kobe Bryant YouTube videos before he goes <laughs> to the office. Like he's just like trying to kill people at all times. He's got kind of like that, like you know, mama mentality edge to him. Whereas Steve Ballmer, I'm like, ah, this is just a lot of energy, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this is, well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like Ballmer, I, 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 to me, they're kind of similar in that whatever needs to be done, whatever needs to happen, whatever resources you need from me, whatever, I'm going to do it. Like, I feel like they're just, hey, if it, it's like selling something, right? Or it's like doing something. Hey, hey you tell me you need 50% off. You tell me you need this. You tell me you need this guy to be here in order for you to be sold on this product. I'll do it. Like whatever happens, they'll get it to happen no matter what. No matter who gets fired, no matter who gets in trouble, right? If the fans get pissed off, they get pissed off. It doesn't matter. And I feel like they're both kind of like that. But they're also smart enough to realize, I think Bomber and Lakeup, that they're not smart in basketball. So they get smart people around them. Um, they don't try to I, overstep. I they, both, they don't try to do yep. the, the quintessential – bad owner thing which is like i made a bunch of money uh, in this business therefore i'm the best person to scout players exactly yep i I think they both kind of realize that which is you know for billionaires you know if me and you if we become millionaires we're probably going to be the opposite we're probably going to be assholes i think we know everything so (laughs) shouts to the uh to the little fake humbleness i guess is that love of the fame or love of the game who knows that's a good one i don't know (laughs) All right, man. Should we uh, wrap this up or you want to take a questions? Uh, do we have any good questions? Did you find any questions? I mean, there's a lot of people asking if you've learned your lesson from running superstars out of town. Oh, God. You know, you know here, here's the thing. and people, it, it, I will say one thing. 
I didn't ask for this. A lot of people are like, oh, you do this, like, enjoy your fame, blah, blah. By the way, a lot of people meaning, like, two people, as you always say. But, like, I, I didn't ask for this. I don't care what happens. You know me. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. But I do think it's kind of funny that uh, that Kevin Durant does take offense to it. But we kind of knew that was going to be the case from uh, from day one. Um, okay, here's one from Skeff Thomas. Is Steph right. going to hit 500 threes this season? Oh, boy. Is that a record? I mean, he holds the record with 402. So, literally, his MVP. That's the, it's that, that's the MVP season? Yeah, 402 yeah, is no, a he's lot. Not, 500. He's not going to hit 500. If he played 75 games, that's 6.6 a game. Well, we, we do have to say, I mean, James Harden shot a bunch of threes last year. I think he shot the most amount of threes per game. Ever. I think Steph, yeah, yeah, he did. Ever. I mean, he's. Yeah. we'll see if Harden does that again next to Russ. God, can we talk oh, about God. that for one second? Yeah. Oh God. How do we think that's gonna go? Oh boy. Well, I think it's gonna go well in the beginning. I think like they're gonna like it playing with each other. I think it's gonna go okay. But like I think it's gonna sour faster than CP3 Harden. You always have said that CP3 Harden is always gonna go downhill. It just took a little bit longer than expected. I think Russ and Harden could go downhill quick. Like I think this is something that could blow up fast because you've got two guys that absolutely need the ball in their hands. And I guarantee you, because Chris Paul probably knew that he wasn't as good as James Harden, I can guarantee you Russ thinks he's better than Harden. That's not going to blow. Well, and, and also Chris Paul's always been, like, for all his flaws, You're he, right, he is kind of a guy who likes to do a bunch of little things too. Right. Um, his issue is, like, he wants to be the coach on the floor, and people don't want to hear that from their teammate all the well, time. Well, he's – when he's he's right, but he he's he's just an asshole about it, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the problem. Yeah. Um, whereas Russ will just take the ball from his hands, <laughs> like he he will um, he'll do the thing where he's annoyed and he'll jump over his teammates for rebounds and take the ball. Yep. So yep. that'll be hilarious to watch. Uh, you think James Harden is going to be okay off ball, running off a couple of screens? Like absolutely, fuck no. no. I just gonna stand in the corner and clap. Fuck no, yeah. Like Or then just or like roll his eyes. Yeah, look, is that not what Kevin Durant did? Like, do you remember like the first year Kevin Durant played versus like the fat the last year Kevin Durant played on the Warriors? Like the difference was so stark. Yeah, Kevin Durant that was willing to come off screens and come off pin downs and do everything and set screens. Dude, by the time that this year happened, this this last season happened, the dude was standing in the corner just saying, Fuck it. I don't even want this. Go ahead and just chuck shots up. Like, I, I don't imagine Russ and Harden being any different from that. <laughs> Got to just starting because I don't – like, Katie's smart, right? Like, Katie's really smart. I, I don't know if Russ has got that kind of, you know, IQ or, or kind of willingness to sacrifice. I don't think he has that. I enough. think it's a patience thing. Like, Katie inevitably got bored of playing in the Warriors system, and that's kind of where it all fell apart. We can, mm-hmm. we can talk like about why, but it, it's not even relevant. I think he was just over it at a certain point um, because he wasn't getting what he wanted out of it. Russ will go – Russ will just – I mean, he'll just take what he wants. He he doesn't care. (laughs) And, like, it's going to be – I mean, I'm just – it's going to be the the most exciting for me to watch Rockets games. I'll just say that. So I got one question. I got one question to get us out of here. Would you rather have Alec Burks or Jeremy Lin on this roster from Bob Lin? Uh, (laughs) This is a hard one because most. Because emotionally, we both would rather have Jeremy Lin because he's just a likable guy. Yeah. Uh, not that Alec Burke isn't, it's, but there's a different connection because Jeremy's local and everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, you know what I'm going to say. I'd rather have Jeremy Lin. It's not even close. I, I just, let's take, let's take, perso- let's, let's say, you know. Yeah, Burke's a better player. Burke's you think so? Player. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think it's just, I think Burke's can, I, I think he had a decent season last year. I just, Jeremy Lin it just doesn't stay healthy. Yeah, that's my thing. I think if you he, give me Jeremy Lin of two, two years, Jeremy Lin of two years ago is better than any version of Alec Burks. Well, yes, yes, yes. yes but yes. he was a good player, legitimately. Yeah, a he was really a really good NBA player and a smart player, yeah. and like knew his, like the biggest issue yeah. with Alec Burks is like he'd get twenty three straight games in a row, and then just kind of like space cadet for three, and weeks. then you pick him up in fantasy, yeah, and then he just terrible, yeah. But um. Yeah, I mean, the last thing the Warriors could take a risk on right now is a guy like Jeremy Lin who'd played 110 games in three seasons because he can't stay healthy. I was actually all about signing him well before because I thought they'd have a little more depth and, like, if he only plays 50 games, it's okay. 
but you know that's not the reality they're living in right now. They kind of need guys that they can at least at least they're going to be in uniform most nights. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know <clears throat> um, that's what we're trying to get last year too. And Iguodala and, and Livingston, a lot of those old guys made it kind of a, a, a tough um, chore for them to to get that energy right. Um, but I mean that Jeremy Lin thing where he was saying that the NBA had given up on him. What are your thoughts on that? I, I guess we could do love of the game or love of the fame with that too. But oh, that's I, pure I, I love of the game. We won't slander him at all. Yeah, that's true. I know. I, I, I kind of felt bad. I just he was definitely. He seemed sad about it. I mean, like a lot of people said, like, "Hey, you could play overseas. You could do this. You could do that." But I, I think that his willingness to kind of just say, "Hey, I'm sad about it. Like, I'm sad that I'm probably done in the NBA." Like, I don't know that. Like that kind of vulnerability is is. I mean, you also have to realize, and no one wants to say it. He's the only Asian American guy in the NBA. Like maybe the third and the history of the NBA and you have to go back yeah. to like the fifties to the last one. He was, he's definitely the guy who played in pickup runs where everyone's like, there's no way this, this Asian kid can hang with us, you know? Oh, and like sure. his whole life was like proving he could play on that level with, with, with people who didn't think he was good enough. So it's kind of like, I understand the emotional, He's only 30, you know, like yeah. if he never yeah. got hurt, he's probably one. He's not a vet minimum. He's probably like on a nice deal on a team. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's just kind of, you know, I mean, people always want to people conflate underdog in the wrong way when they talk about it. Like he's an underdog to have made it to the league the way he did. And it has nothing to do with like anything other than no one would have picked him. Like even when he was good enough in college like well come on this guy's not gonna be in the nba i mean look at him right i'm with you 100 i think that's like not even from an asian perspective but just from like an nba like mortality perspective like the guy like had injuries he had an underdog story that was amazing there are other walk-ons in the nba too um that come into the league and most it's of them don't for- reach his highs and I'm not, yeah. I'm not even talking about lynn sanity as much as like after Lynn Sanity for like he got a contract six he years. got a legit I mean he was a yeah. he was like 14 15 points a game for yeah the bulk of his prime most guys who make it as a as an undrafted guy are like you know 12th men who average 2 points a game and that's a big yeah. de- and that's a big deal he made it as yeah. an undrafted guy to be like a guy let's let, let's look at Quinn Cook yeah right. exactly let's look at Quinn Cook Jeremy Lynn is 10 times the player Quinn Cook, right? And, and they're both undrafted guys. Uh, and, the guy fact, Har- and the fact Harvard. Quinn Cook... One guy went to Duke. The fact Quinn Cook got where he did is very impressive. My point is, is they have the same type of background thing, only Jeremy Lin averaged <laughs> 13 and 5, playing about 30 minutes a game for almost a decade, which yeah. is, I mean, the more common thing for the undrafted guy who makes the NBA is Quinn Cook. Yep, yep, and, and and Quinn Cook is is I mean, what is he on the Lakers now? The Lakers sign him just strictly as a shooter. But here's the thing, I think for Jeremy Lin to and, and I think for him, I don't think I don't think he ever really liked being like that Asian guy. I don't know how. I don't think he ever embraced it that much. Yeah, I, I guess he enjoyed it. It, it was no, a lot of fame I mean, that he, came he along kinda, with it. He was always a guy who wanted to prove he belonged. Like yeah, he just. Of that. He just wanted to, yeah, exactly. He just wanted to be a player. He didn't want to be like, oh, I'm the Asian guy. I'm like carrying all of this, right? I think when he was on the Warriors, he didn't really like being that type of mascot where it was like, hey, I'm the Asian guy in the Bay Area. Like, I don't think he enjoyed that yeah, at all. Yeah, I mean, he said it. He said it was, yeah. it was really tough. It was yeah. like nothing against his teammates, but it's like I can – it's like an added burden and I'm barely, I'm barely making it in the league. I'm, I mean, like I'm there chair. Like, I'm like, you know, I hear Jeremy Lin's name coming in. Like, dude, I'm like all my feet raging. Right. And like this, this guy touches the ball. I'm screaming. Right. Like, <laughs> like whatever he does, is kind of like you, like how, how can you deal with that? I think that like a lot of that stuff is like, it's like not a lot of players deal with that. No players deal with that. And um, I mean, let's just be honest too. A lot of players didn't like him because of that. Right, a lot of players were like, I mean, we had that. Shout out, Mello. Shout out, Banana Boat. Yep, bullies. Yep, exactly. It's it's hilarious that they play the underdog angle when like they they want to do that immediately to them, right? Well, they're because like they play the underdog angle, but like you look at these guys, they're the elite, right? So it's like 
LeBron can say he's an underdog in life. He is the elite of the elite in basketball. Right? And now we're going to get kind of like <laughs> maybe even meta here. But like these guys are the elite. The way they treat media, the way they treat people, they're not underdogs ever. They are the best. They are like your standard Silicon Valley CEOs. That is how they run their life because they can. If me and you were that rich, we would do the exact same thing, right? Correct. <laughs> we would say like, hey, if I don't like you, media, I'm not going to talk to you. Right. If I don't like you, I don't have to ever see you again. Right. I can be an asshole because I'm rich and powerful. Like that's how LeBron James runs his life. Like that's because he's that powerful. I mean, anyway, I don't know where I was going, Sam. All right, let's let's get out of here. <laughs> um, I hope Jeremy Lin gets one more opportunity. But if not, yes. amen. An underrated career. Yes. Yes. Underrated career. I love that. All right, let's get out of here. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.